Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Going to have a conversation that, you know, we were talking uh, was it Monday, Tuesday, we were talking about uh, cattle ranchers and, and what they're doing as they try to get ready for another winter where, you know, coming off the drought and finding feed and all. I mean, farm life can be tough, really, really tough. We've, we've done a lot of talk uh, here on the air um, in some parts of the province. Things have been really bleak, not everywhere, but it's always a gamble in that industry, right? You're sort of completely dependent on factors that you have no control over. It's got to be high stress and, and, you know, it has an impact on mental health. And there's been a lot of studies done on the mental health struggles that farmers and ranchers and people in agriculture face. And, you know, there's even been an increased, you know, risk of suicide in the agricultural community. Now, researchers at the University of Alberta went over the data from more than a dozen studies into this very situation and came up with some insights that that may help and may offer some hope here. So we're going to have a conversation now with Rebecca Perk Stevenson, who is a psychology professor at the University of Alberta's Augustana campus. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so you weren't trying to determine if there are mental health struggles in the agriculture industry. We already know that. That's well established, correct? That's right, yeah. Um, so what were you looking at? What was the focus of your work? Just going over the studies that sort of detail that tell us what you did sure for sure so i'll tell you kind of where we started so um we were i'm located at in camrose at the augustana campus so we're surrounded by farming communities Uh, most of my research assistants and myself have a a farming background or agricultural background so the stories of poor mental health or struggles and stress were really close to home and relatable, and um, and then um, the work I do is related to you know health and well-being and resilience and, and work. But I started getting interested in farming because of my own background, and then I came across a study that was done at the University of Guelph with Dr. Andrea Jones Bitten, who I've come to know, and she's a wonderful person doing some really great work. And she did a national study of Canadian farmers that showed that you know fifty. I think 58% showed met the classification for anxiety, 35% met the classification for depression. I thought, wow, those are really high numbers that you wouldn't see in any other occupation, like far higher than than the, the average. And then so they were planning to... Um, they really did put the spotlight on farmer mental health, which was which was great, which yeah. was needed. And then also, there's then thinking about what are some of the programs that could be used, you know, for to help farmers across the country. So we got interested in this because Alberta is a huge contributor to you know the the national uh, ag industry. And uh, in their study, there there wasn't that many Albertan farmers. I think there were fewer than a hundred. So we thought maybe we should do some research here. What is the mental health and stresses of farmers in Alberta? And there was really no research. So over the past year, I've been doing with my team at the U of A. We've been doing a blitz of studies. We just completed seven. And um, one of the one of the statistics in Andrea Jones Bitten's study was about suicide ideation. And it was something around that, you know, about a quarter of farmers had uh, thought about suicide or harming themselves in the past two weeks. And that's a really high number. 
and um, and that really we hear no, news stories. Some of us have you know, um, have known someone who's died by suicide. So that really got me interested in like what are the risk factors yeah. of of this? And so we looked at the research that was done, and almost everything that was out there, there was it looked at say death certificates. Um, or and that those kind of numbers that so was looking at you know well they're they're men or they're this age or they were just kind of demographic and high level but I wanted to know maybe because I'm a psychologist what who is this person what were the events leading up you know the months and days to their choice to die by suicide what was this person like and their mindset from the people who knew them best so a spouse or a relative or in some cases it was the individual themselves who had survived the uh, a suicide attempt. So, yes, we looked at all... Go ahead. So, I'm just wondering, like you say, I mean, you sort of get a, a bigger picture, right? Because there's like... You, it, it goes beyond the data at that point. It gives you an opportunity to develop a deeper understanding as to what some of the risk factors are, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, we can... Right, if you understand who this person is, then you can better tailor interventions for them, right? Um, age and, you know, age and gender, that doesn't, that's not all that helpful. Yeah. And we already know that men are at risk. But for farmers in particular, and it was also, we don't collect statistics in Canada on suicide by occupation. And um, so that was also really difficult to know what the number is. We knew it was higher. And also some suicides could be disguised in a way or, or miscategorized as farm accidents unless there's a note or they've used a gun or they've ingested pesticides. So that number might even be higher than than is reported. But yeah, we found like some really interesting risk factors. So Yeah, what would know, they be? Yeah, so some of the risk factors already is, you know, work uh, being isolated, having you know, high level of stress. And we know that farmers have that, right? You mentioned at the, the onset that there's this uncontrollable yeah. factors so those are those are huge right and and in some ways farmers are gamblers right there's a lot at stake and yeah. our farms are bigger and there's high input costs um right now and then but for farmers it's it's different from other occupations in that it's it's a vocation or a lifestyle it's not a job that you can you know walk home at 5 p.m and leave work at you know work it's um it's at your house right it's really hard to leave it and then the, the farm culture, um, you know, so many male farmers in particular felt this need to be strong, stoic, and self-reliant, and that really prevented them from seeking help. And uh, related, we find that in uh, rural areas, there's still such a strong stigma about yeah. seeking help. Right? I wanted to ask that, because mm -hmm. what, what you're talking about, you're dealing with, I mean, we know it's a problem with men already. Um, yeah. and, and there's also, I mean, there is an image, there's, uh, you know, I mean, you, you're probably coming from a long line of farmers, so there's a, you know, it, it's an identity is sort of, we just get the job done and we carry on and we overcome, right? I mean, there's probably even a bigger stigma in some ways in the agricultural community than there is for other people. I think that's right. And I think you, you, you mentioned the multi-generational farms. So, so many, it was particularly... Um, strong among farmers who were part of a multi-generational farm family where if, and usually for no fault of their own, it was just poor, you know, consecutive crop failures or, you know, not great yields, or maybe they had been impacted by avian influenza or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they felt that if they failed, you know, where other generations before hadn't failed, like it would be on them, right? They wouldn't be able to pass the farm on. And they really couldn't see themselves doing anything else than farming. And in many of the cases where there was a suicide, 
they would they were found, you know, in the place where they worked, like at a drive shed or out in the field, right? So they were just very connected to the land and everything in it. And um, even the the sense of community and family, it was a double-edged sword. So family and community can both be a risk factor and a protective factor. Yeah, yeah. So in the cases of those in suicide cases, there was usually a breakdown in marriage a couple of months leading up to it or really just disrupted all that family dynamics or there had been a significant like health issue or illness in the family again just disrupting everything and adding to that stress and uh and in rural areas there's not as many there's not as much support as you would find in an urban area so it's it's more difficult but you mentioned yeah kind of they might just kind of push forward and keep doing it because the work has to get done still so how do you make time for taking care of yourself. And there's often the mentality, I'll take care of myself later. What did you determine in terms of how we help, how we um, work on what has been clearly identified as an issue, and we have a pretty good understanding of why it's an issue? Um, what can we do to help? What's in place to help, Rebecca? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think there's two ways to, to help. Uh, one is helping, say, farmers themselves, and then helping those who can support farmers. So we're looking at both approaches at the U of A. So it's uh, for farmers, it's helping them to recognize what are the warning signs, right, of for yourself, right? Because oftentimes you might be working alone. So how do you know, like, hmm, that something feels off so that you can, you're not in crisis by the time you realize that, you know, you can't deal with, with the stresses anymore. And um, also letting them know, like, what are the resources available to you? So how do you get help from someone who actually understands farmers? So we're building farm credibility among therapists, counselors, healthcare providers over the next year um, so that there's, there is support available. And, and a farmer who's reaching out for help can feel more confident that that person they're talking to yeah. understands them. And they're going to give them a care plan that's going to fit their lifestyle. Because, you know, if they're, you know, if they're going in with, if they leave the hospital with a boot on their foot, they're probably going back into the the barn if it's calving season, right? They're not going to sit for a week with their leg up. Um, and then also working on the next generation of farmers, right? So children and those in post-secondary, right? Get them to uh, start talking about some of the stresses, um, start getting some of that, the, the language about mental health more common so we can decrease that stigma. Um, and... Uh, yeah, those are some of so the education components for both farmers and for uh, for those who, who support them. And also working on policies, right? Trying to understand what are the policies and programs that um, make it difficult for farmers to live healthy and productive lives, right? So what's not working, what's working well? Yeah, and it's such important work. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here today and walking us through it. I appreciate it very much.